0: What, what time of the year Christ was born or whatever. And that, that's not really, you know, the important, the most important thing, of whether it was in Christmas or in the spring. The most important thing is that he was born. He came into our world. And I, I want to just share some things about the Christmas story uh, and, and go back. And I want to take you back some 2,700 years um, to Isaiah chapter 7. Now, I've been doing a series about signs. And uh, I really believe that this next year is go- there's going to be some dramatic changes in our world. And uh, some of you may have not heard about the four, four blood moons or the message or whatever's involved in that. There's more than just uh, the four blood moons that are going to be, uh, uh, you know, signs in our heavens. There's going to be total eclipses, too, that are taking place. And according to Jewish uh, uh, tradition... A blood moon mean, is a bad sign for Israel, and, and a solar eclipse is a bad sign for the world. And right, right in the middle, in fact, just three or four months from now, there's going to be a, a uh, an eclipse that uh, that comes just, just uh, before the third blood moon happens. Uh, and, and if God gives us signs, then signs are to be heeded. Uh, if you're driving down the road and there's a sign that you see on the side of the road that says, curve ahead, 35 miles an hour, and you're driving 70, what are you going to do? You're going to slow down a little bit. Why? Because you saw a sign. And so I have found out that sometimes believers, when, when God gives us signs, we do not pay any attention to them. We just think, well, everything's going to go on like, like it always does. But let me take you back some 2,700 years, and then you kind of pick out these words, signs, as I go through them. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 10 says, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a what? Sign for yourself in the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. Now, for those of you that want to, in your devotions, know what's going on, uh, Judah and Ahaz the king, Ahaz is a wicked king, but they are surrounded by a couple of armies. Uh, He does not want to depend upon God. In fact, he's in the process of making a pact with Assyria to try to uh, win the battles without the help of the Lord. And so the prophet Isaiah, God sends him uh, to, to Ahaz and says, look, I can take care of this for you. I'm, I'm God. I can take care of this for you. And uh, I want to take care of this for you. And I want to prove to you that I can take care of it. And, and so he said, ask a sign For yourself, from the Lord your God, if you want a sign that God can take care of this, go ahead and ask. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, "I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord." Now, on the surface, that looks, that sounds really pious, and that sounds really great. But in actuality, he he, he does not want to get involved with God. He doesn't want God involved in his business or in the in the the, Judah's business. And so he just, uh, you know, it, it is a reflection of an inner attitude. Then verse 13 says, and Isaiah begins to speak a little bit angry as the mouthpiece of God. Then he said, hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore, and if you don't want a sign, therefore, God is saying, I'll give you a sign. Now, there was the birth of a natural king that followed him that brought deliverance of the house of Judah. And a lot of people that read this uh, prophecy uh, about the coming Messiah uh, has a hard time relating to this. But I want you to understand that he, he, the prophecy that Isaiah is going to give goes far beyond that present time. And he looks into the future some 700 years and sees the birth of a Savior. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a what? Sign. Behold the virgin. And some of your translations in your Bible, if you read that verse and it says, Behold a virgin, that is a wrong translation. You need to get into the Bible because the Bible says the virgin. In other words, he had already a specific person Already, uh, already that was going to be the, 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 the mother of, the, of God the Son. Now, not that we pre-existed. That's Mormon theology. Mormon theology says we pre-existed as spirit children somewhere and we just waited for, a, for someone to be born so they could inhabit that body. That's not what it's, that means here. It means that God had foreknowledge that Mary would be born. God has foreknowledge. How many knows? He knows the end from the beginning. He knew, you, he knew you was going to be born before you was conceived because he understands the, the future. He knows the future. The Lord himself will give you a sign. What is the sign going to be? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The word sign refers to a supernatural act from God that no one could or should miss. For instance, like walking on the water, that'd be hard to miss. For instance, uh, you know, splitting into the Red Sea, that is a sign that would be hard to miss. Being raised from the dead would be a sign that it would be hard to miss. And Listen, God marks His prophetic word with signs. He has given us signs today of things that's going to happen in the future, and He's using the heavens to give us those signs. And we need to be alert enough and spiritually alert enough to realize that God is trying to get a message to us, to alert us. But he said, I'm going to give you a sign. He marks his prophetic word with with signs. In this case, he is saying to Ahaz and Judah, the sign will be proof of your deliverance. But in reality, the Lord has given a prophecy so far-reaching that it offers deliverance to the world. That's awesome. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 22 just simply says this. So all this was done, and he's talking about the Christmas story, talking about... What's taking place with Mary and all of them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord to the prophets, saying, Behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. It is a sign. Christmas and the birth of the Savior is a sign. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now go with me to the New Testament, Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Shepherds are out watching their flocks. Suddenly there's angels that appear. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be what? And this will be what? A sign to you. God's always giving signs. Twenty-seven hundred years before this, he's saying, "I'm going to give you signs, signs that could or should not be uh, overlooked or should not be missed." And and I am I am constantly uh, thinking, how could we, you know, we get so busy with life we miss seeing God's handiwork in our life. This will be a sign to you. What's a sign? You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. These events were signs that God uh, the, of the universe had intervened in the course of human history. To the shepherds, the message was given. This will be a sign to you. You're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, swaddling clothes are, were strips of cloth that they would, they would take and they would bind the baby up. More infants died. There was more infant deaths at this time uh, in history. There's more infant deaths than in at any, any time. And so what they tried to do was protect the infant and they would take strips of cloth and they would bind the infant up to protect him from the elements and protect him uh, uh, from the things that would, he would come in contact with. So they would bind him as it was. Thirty-three years later, he stood bound before his accusers. This will be a sign to you. You shall find him bound. Not only would they find him bound, but it, was a, it was a prophecy or a sign of his future that 33 years later he would stand up before his accusers and he would be bound and he would say nothing. This will be a sign. Another sign, he will be laying in a manger, a wooden crib. He was laying on a bed made of wood. 33 years later, a piece of wood was laid upon his back for the last time. This will be a sign to you laying in a manger or a wooden crib made of wood. Born in a stable, a cave hollowed out of rock. Now get this. Be a sign. Hollowed out of a rock, a cave. Out front of that cave was a ring of rocks in front to keep the animals in. Mm. Thirty-three years later, he was laid in a borrowed tomb a hole that was carved out of rocks, and a stone was rolled in front of it to keep the Son of God in. This will be a sign to you. Only a handful of people experienced the wonder of His birth. Isn't that awesome? Of all all the prophecies of His coming, of all of of the the prophets that spoke that He was coming, but only a handful of people experienced the wonder of His birth. Bethlehem was full of people when He was born. But that's the reason he wound up in the stable to begin with. The inn was full because the town was literally uh, packed with people. Most were looking, see, most were not looking for something normal. They were looking for something spectacular. They was looking for a political messiah. Or they were looking for a military leader. They was looking for something, uh, you know, the flash and the flame. And sometimes we do the same thing with our life. We, we, we look for God to do some miraculous thing, And when we see something normal, we miss what God is doing. The birth of Jesus was a normal birth. Wasn't nothing miraculous about his birth. Now, to get this, the miracle of his conception happened nine months before. But his birth was normal. And as a result of that, they missed seeing the divine in the normal. Now here's a point I want to give to you, as, as I as I looked at this and, and as I wrote this out, I thought, this is where we live. Get this point. I want you chewing it the rest of the week and probably for the moment. Because they missed his birth, most never experienced what his names could have said. Now I, I want to, I'm going to go back just a, just a moment. And and give you this this thing. Most were looking for something spectacular in the ordinary. Most people miss it. Some people are healed, but the miracle started months before. Some people get a job, and you think, oh, that was great, we got this job. But the miracle happened long, months before. And you miss seeing the divine and the normal, and you don't give God the credit for something that He has done. Because the normal, see, in the normal, you don't see the divine. It happens to us every day. We think, well, we were fortunate for that to happen to us. And it was a normal, something that in the normal process of life that you experienced. But somewhere back in in the past, God worked something divine out for you. The birth was normal, but nine months before, there was a miracle that took place that no one noticed but Mary and Joseph. So then when the normal birth came, no one paid attention to it. Get this, they missed the birth. And because they missed the birth, most never experienced what his name said they could have. Can we talk this morning? Those of you that are going to be having babies, I want you to remember this. Names are important. Names are important. Names do have meanings. Something about a name, it stays with you the rest of your life. I know that we have went through a time when people try to name their babies strange names. People still try to name their babies strange names. They can't even spell it. What's the baby's name? I don't even believe I mean, you can't. Where, where, where'd you get that name? Well, I just didn't want to name it any name that somebody else might have had. Well, you, you succeeded. None of his classmates will ever be able to say that either. They'll call him Slim. Or whatever. You know, and, and, and I understand that. You know, we, when we named Nancy, we actually put two words, two names together, Nancy Ann, our nancy And so, but, but some people get real, I have a friend who named his kid Shamgar. Shamgar. Don't name your kid Shamgar. If you do, bring him up in a private school. Which he is. Which he is. And I thank God for that. And every time I see him, I kid him about it. You're the father that named your kid Shamgar. When he gets grown, he should whoop you (laughs) for naming him that. Just remember, names stick, names are permanent. You're going to have that name for the rest of your life. Now, I'm not saying you're not name your, your, but at least name something you can pronounce and that other people can spell. Huh? Yeah. You need to look at the meaning. I told Nancy, I said, you named your kids James and John. Do you understand what that means? Sons of thunder. <laughs> Isn't that true? Have you ever read that in the Scripture? James and John was sons of thunder. If they didn't like you, they just said, God, call fire on them. <laughs> now, they went through a miraculous transformation, <laughs> and they wound up being apostles of love, but it wasn't in the beginning. They didn't want to kill people. They were had angry. They had that you know that's the reason today. One of them, one of them is tormenting one, and the other is screaming. I think what's wrong with these kids, James and John? That's what they are. So I figure they get a little bit bigger. I can I can whoop some of that out of them. No, I wouldn't. Don't take that literally, okay? Grandma, I, I'd come up missing. Hmm. Be careful what you name your children. What is his name going to be? His name should be called Wonderful Counselor. Notice it doesn't say angry counselor. Notice it doesn't say disconnected counselor. Or I don't really care counselor. That's me. (laughs) But that's not God. He is Wonderful Counselor. The Hebrew word for wonderful actually means wonder or miracle. Jesus is a miracle working counselor. If you and I will apply the wisdom of Jesus Christ to our life it will work wonders for us. How many times have you seen someone when they came to Christ uh, they bring a a, a life that has absolutely been wrecked and ruined and they come to Christ they receive salvation and they begin to put the word of God through their life and over a period of time of weeks and months God just absolutely works a wonderful miracle in their life. What is taking place? He is a wonderful counselor and if you will put the counsel that he gives you to, uh, to apply in your life, it will actually transform you and work a miracle in your life. You and I cannot afford to make decisions without a guiding word from a miraculous counselor. So many of us make decisions without consulting the word. <laughs> Somebody asked me, Are you going to counsel us before we get married? No. Because I couldn't talk you out of it. I've talked to a lot of married couples, and I found out most all of them don't listen to what you're saying. And even though you're telling them the truth, they wouldn't do it anyway because they're in lust. Can we talk? Are we adults here? And we know how that love works, don't we? Lust, 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 lust. Need to get married. Better to marry than to burn. It's the rest of the part that gets difficult. I've told people before, you're making a big mistake. They went on and did it anyway. And a few months later, I said, I told you so. <laughs> Listen to me. We cannot call him our wonderful counselor if we do not embrace his wisdom. For our salvation, for our family, for our finances, your future, where you're going, the decisions you make. We cannot call him our wonderful counselor if we do not uh, embrace what he says to us. The more we are acquainted with his word and in connection with like-minded believers, the more clearly we can discern the mind of Christ. That was better than you think. Some people get disconnected. Now listen. Who you run around with mean, can say a lot about how you're going to discern the voice of God. Like-minded, being connected with like-minded people who know the Lord as their wonderful counselor, if you get around those people, it, it will come out of their life. It will, it will, it will splash onto you, and, and, it, and, it, and you'll, it'll be easier for you to discern the voice of God. The more we are acquainted with His Word and connected, that's just the way it works. Then notice, whatever He says to you, do it. The first miracle that Jesus performs. Wine. And Mary's getting involved. His mother is getting involved. Moms getting involved. And Jesus saying, "Woman, what what's wrong with you? You know, I think that's a broad translation. I think he was kind of irritated. And uh, and she said, "Well, they have no wine. They're out of wine. So you need to fix it. And." Um, <laughs> So she turned, she turned to the servants and said, in a, one of the most amazing, it's a, if we would just live by what she said, it would go so good. Whatever he says to you, do it. Isn't that simple? Whatever he says to you, do it. And then of course, the miracle took place. He is a what? wonderful counselor. He is a miracle worker. The, the servants obeyed what, what Jesus told them to do, and the result of there was a great miracle uh, that water was turned into wine. But it would not have been turned into wine if people hadn't obeyed what He said. Is that making sense to you this morning? Whatever he says to you, you do it. It's not just having a word that brings the miracle. It's walking in that word. Don't be afraid. You can trust God's directions. You've got to conquer your fear. Has God told you has God given you a word? I'm not talking about, I'm talking about this. Do, do you have a promise? Do you have, do you have a word from God? Then conquer your fear and start walking in what God has told you to do. It may, it may come to a normal, you know, you'll get that interview, you'll get that job, you'll get that, but I'm telling you, it'll start with the miracle of you obeying God. And then along the line somewhere, God's going to intervene. You might not even recognize it. You might not even see it, but you'll be, and it'll be just a normal response. Wasn't I fortunate? And when that wasn't night fortunate happens, remember who caused it. Remember who directed your steps. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. He is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. First of all, He's not just a baby born in the stable. He is God the Son. He is mighty God. As a mighty God, He has the power to make His counsel come to pass. Listen, when God gives you a word and when He gives you a word of counsel, remember that the same God that gave it to you has the power to bring it to pass. Why? Because He is a mighty God. The God you serve is not anemic. The God that you serve is not weak. The God that you serve is not not, uh, someone who is not able to bring His word to pass. He is a mighty God. The counsel He gave to you, He is able to perform. Numbers chapter 23. Put this to memory. God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said and will He not what? Do it? If God gives you a word, is He able to do it? Is He able to perform it? Or has He spoken and will He not make it good? If God has spoken to you, can God make His word good? At some point, God will redeem His word. Mighty God is also a military term. He is the God that fights for His people, facing some challenges, facing some issues. Mighty God is with you, going through some tough times. For though we walk or we live in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Read Second Corinthians chapter ten and verse three. For though we walk or though we live in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We don't, we, don't, we don't use fleshly weapons. We don't use M16 rifles. We don't use grenade launchers. We don't use those kind of weapons when we're walking with the Lord. He is a mighty God. Verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds. Anything. What strongholds? Anything opposing the counsel of God. Anything the wonderful counselor has told you, he can give you the strength to overcome it. And to walk in it. Amen. Thank you for that great hand of applause. (laughs) Yeah. Is God able? God's able. Anything opposing the counsel of God, if God has given you counsel, if God has given you word, the mighty God can bring it to pass in your life. Spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. Our warfare is not against flesh and blood. Remember who your real adversary is, the one that that, that wants to oppose, that opposes you, the one that, that, that is behind all of the chaos in our world, behind a lot of the chaos in your life. Who's behind that? The enemy wants to defeat you. He wants to keep you depressed. He wants to keep you in sorrow. He wants to keep you sick. But you have a mighty God. And the weapons of your warfare are not flesh, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Good news. The plan of God that he set in motion 6,000 years ago is on schedule. And the plan of God that he has has, uh, got started in your life, he is alpha and omega. And he is able to complete that which he has begun in your heart. God is able. Though you're opposed. I want you to know all of us are opposed. But with God, I'm telling you, you are more than a match for your enemy. The plan that God set into motion 6,000 years ago is on schedule. And despite the efforts of the devil and fallen angels and stupid people, his plan will not be defeated. Maybe I should have struck that out. (laughs) Wipe that off the tape. (laughs) Why? Because he's mighty God. He's mighty God. He's not only a wonderful counselor. If You've got a word from God. He's a mighty God, and He can bring it to pass in your life. The everlasting Father. A lot of people get confused with this. He is the Father of eternity. He is the Father of time. He is above, before, and beyond time. He, Jesus, is the possessor of eternity. Eternity does not possess Jesus. Jesus possesses eternity. So He is called the everlasting father. Now notice, anybody that creates something is called the father of it. And he's the one that created time. The father willed it. God spoke it into existence. There was not anything made that was made that was not made without the word of God or Jesus. He's the creator of this. He is recognized. And don't get this, don't get this statement mixed up with the Trinity. A lot of people, you know, theologians debate, you know, how can Jesus be the everlasting father? Well, He's everlasting, and everlasting is a result uh, uh, to time. He's the one that set time into motion. And as a result of that, He is the Father of it. (laughs) This is a statement about His character of our Lord. All that a good father is, Jesus is to His people. Isn't that the truth? All that a good father is, Jesus is to His people. Like a father, He cares for you. And because He owns eternity, He can give you eternal life. Run that. You need to. Because he owns eternity, he is able to give you eternal life. (laughs) Why is that important? Because we're all dying. Every day that you live is a bonus. Some are are young today and they think I'm going to live for X amount of years. You don't know that, you don't know that at all. There was a young teenage girl that was dropped off by her parents here several years ago right in front of the church. Her parents thought she was coming in here. Do you remember that? Her boyfriend picked her up. She never made it into the church. Her boyfriend picked her up and right out here within 30 minutes after she was dropped off the church, she was dead. Because her and her boyfriend lost control of their car out there close close to where your dad lived. Ran into a tree and they was dead. Just because you're young, you better not think that you're going to live forever. That's the reason the everlasting Father is important to you. Because He is the only one that can give you everlasting life. Because after we leave this world, there's another world to come. He is the everlasting Father. And every day that we live on this planet is a bonus life and a bonus day. Because man's life is like a vapor. Dying men need an undying Savior. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Literally means the Prince who is coming brings peace. Peace speaks to his nature, Prince speaks to his rank or position. He is the Prince of Peace. Not a day goes by in our world that hundreds of people are not murdered. What is shocking to us is that murder really doesn't, and killing doesn't shock us too much anymore because we are exposed to it so often. They even now show it on YouTube, show them beheadings. Now, I have never watched that stuff, the, but they said they showed that the, some of the beheadings overseas was shown on I believe on, was it on YouTube? And millions of people around our world watched it. Yes, it was disgusting. Yes, it was, it was violent. But millions of people watched it. And we were no longer shocked by it. Did you know that there's more wars being fought today than there has been in the last two centuries? Now, this is a sign. What will be the sign of your coming? There will be wars and rumors of wars. It's signs. And it it's evident that there's no peace on our planet. But the real question should be, is there peace in your heart? Someone said, the only time the world experiences peace is when everybody stops to reload. But there's a lot of truth in that one. Notice this. In the past, he made peace with God for us. Man. In the past, he made peace with God for you. It's available for you. 2,000 years ago, he made peace. In the present, those who come to, feel, to him find peace in their heart. In the future, his coming to this earth will usher in peace for this world. His kingdom will be a kingdom of peace. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. Amen. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Steffi, will you come? I'm asking you today, do you have peace this will be a sign unto you you shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger bound by grave clothes 33 years later he was bound stood before his accusers saying nothing waiting to make peace for our world. He was laid in a wooden crib. Right after he left the judgment hall, there was a wooden cross laid upon his back and he carried it to Calvary where he made peace with God through his own blood. He was laid in a borrowed tomb, a hole in the left of a rock much like the stable that he was born in and the rock was rolled in front of the tomb to hold him in but he didn't stay there did he He came out now he's our wonderful counselor he is a mighty God because the grave couldn't hold him He is an everlasting father. He's a father to you and I. And he's the prince of peace. Do you have peace today? Is all well with you? If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, don't miss the sign. Don't miss the sign because your sins my sins put him there on that cross and he wants you to take advantage of the provisions he made for you you know the gifts of christmas you know for god to love the world that he gave the gift that god gave will be reenacted today in in our christmas season by people giving gifts It's one thing to acknowledge the gift under the tree. It's one thing to acknowledge that, even read the tag on there to know who the gift is from. But it's another thing to receive that gift, open up that gift, and claim it as your own. Wouldn't it be great for the miracle of salvation to take place in your life this year at this Christmas season? every head bowed. Father, I I present this congregation to you. Signs all around us. Signs of your provision, signs of your love. For those who who are here that do not know you, let them be made aware of the signs that you have given to get people's attention. The gift has been given 2,000 years ago. The gift has been given and millions of people have received that gift. But there's people here in this service today that that has never received the gift of your son. Today, in this service, I pray that that gift will become a reality for them. They'll receive you as the Lord and Savior of their life. Greatest gift, everlasting life. Everlasting life. Confirm your word, the signs following this morning, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're not here by chance today, but you're here by God's design. For those of you that don't know Christ, You may have been here before, but today's a special day. And you've heard one more time the message of Christmas and the peace that God has offered today. And I challenge you to accept that gift today by a simple act of faith and of the will that you'll reach out and allow God to come into your heart and life. And peace will be declared. You'll find him to be a wonderful counselor, You'll find him to be a mighty God. You'll experience eternal life. You'll experience peace. Stand with me all across the building today. I just sense that today is going to be different. There's going to be some of you today that's going to repeat this prayer with me, but it's going to be different be different this morning. I sense it in my my spirit. You're going to say this prayer and you're going to say it in faith and for the first time, maybe you're going to open up your heart for the Savior to come in. You're going to receive the gift of Christmas season. I want everyone to follow me and repeat after me, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you today as the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Amen.